Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, December 24th, 2019. It is Christmas Eve. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Blackhawks. My name is Jay Zawoski. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I know it's a busy holiday week. So maybe, just maybe, you chose to skip the Hawks game last night. And boy, was that a good move by you. Woo! Hawks got their asses kicked by one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, losing 7-1 on home ice to the New Jersey Devils. We will break it down, but first want to tell you how to get in touch. By the way, it is Talk Back Tuesday, so your voicemails and your emails and your tweets will get on this show. We're going to skim through this game because there's no use in dwelling on it. It was a complete suck fest, but first segment we dedicated to this game for sure. Get in touch with me, LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Follow my personal account at jayzawaski670. And make sure you check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. You can follow that account at Madhouse Pod. A new episode coming out today before lunchtime. Because it's Talk Back Tuesday, I'm not going to be able to get into the Seabrook stuff. There's a lot of big Blackhawks news I'm not going to be able to get into on this podcast. Don't miss today's Madhouse Podcast. Like I said... Expect it out by 11, 11.30 at the absolute latest. I'll have all your all the thoughts on the Seabrook thing, all the thoughts on Boquist's injury, all the sort of bigger picture things that are going on around the Hawks, but we want to react to this game from last night first, and then we want to get to your questions, so let's get right to it. Like I said, the Hawks lose 7-1, and it was an absolutely embarrassing effort, and I'm going to let Jeremy Cowton uh, have the floor here for a second. Because, as everybody knows, I'm not the biggest Jeremy Cowton fan in the world. But I liked what he said post-game. And the pause in this comment is very telling. I want you to give it a listen. This courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. Talked about consistency this morning. How frustrating is it for you to run into this problem again where this would have really built something and built a momentum and you didn't come from it? Yeah, it's a missed opportunity. And we should be embarrassed. Um If we're going to make progress, we, we can't, you got to give yourself a chance to, to make progress. And I don't think we did that tonight. We, it seems like we need to start over all the time. Um, and that's, you know, I've made the point in the games, we've had trouble stringing shifts together. Well, we have trouble stringing performances together. So you, you just can't build any momentum. We need to understand what kind of team we are. We've got to work every day. And when we do, we're, we're good enough. And we've, we've shown we can get points and we've had some, you know, Big-time character wins, but the work and compete's got to be there. Where's the lie there? What's Jeremy Cowton saying that's not true? And look, you can you can blame the coach for the team not being ready all you want. But this team came out last night and assumed victory. And guess what, Blackhawks? You're not that damn good. You are not good enough to assume victory against any team in this league. And I'm not going to do this freaking roller coaster where I'm elated after a win and furious after a loss but this loss is absolutely 100% inexcusable to have a crap effort like they had last night on home ice headed into a long break coming off perhaps their best win of the season they think they're gonna walk out there and just walk over the New Jersey Devils you ain't that good you are a bottom feeder in the NHL. And yeah, you had a couple nice games in a row. Golf clap. 
congratulations on being competitive and trying. They sure as hell didn't do it at all last night. Absolutely pitiful top to bottom this performance. The Hawks went 0 for 7 on the power play and managed all of eight shots on goal on the power play. 0 for 7. Oh, guess what? They gave up a shorthanded goal too. Jonathan Taves, one of the worst games I've seen him play in his career. And yeah, he's coming off a three-point night against Colorado, and he's been putting up points lately, and it's great. It's all wonderful. If he blows another defensive assignment this year, it's happening multiple times a week where Jonathan Taves misreads a play defensively. And say what you want about Jeremy Cowton's system. Jamal Mayers, who's sitting on a chair watching the game on a monitor, knew what Jonathan Taves was supposed to do on a play, and Jonathan Taves did not. I don't care if you don't like the coach. I don't care if Joel Quenville was your guy. I don't care. He's not your coach anymore. Get your head out of your ass and play. This entire effort from start to finish. No, you know what? The Hawks played good for 10 minutes. They had a good 10-minute stretch. So 50 minutes of this game, you were absolutely embarrassed by one of the worst teams in hockey. And I can't say the worst because the, the Red Wings are still in the NHL. But the Devils are so damn bad that the Hawks thought they were just going to come out. The mighty Black Hawks are just going to come out and walk in skate circles around the New Jersey Devils. Guess what, Hawks? You're 15, 17, and 6. And while Pat Foley wants to tell you that you're two games under 500, no, you're eight games under 500. And you're minus 20 in goal differential. And you just got spanked by a team that's 12, 19, and 5. 7 to 1 to a team that just traded Taylor Hall. That's the effort you put forth. You're not that damn good. And Jeremy Counton said it. If we're going to win games, we're going to have to come out and work harder than the teams we're playing against. That's why they beat Colorado. That's why they beat Winnipeg. They outworked them. Now, all of a sudden, they win two games, and they think they're the friggin' 80s Oilers again? No, that's not how it works. And the sooner this team figures out that they're not the Blackhawks of three years ago, of four years ago, of five years ago, they're the Blackhawks of the last two years, the last three years, the one that hasn't been in the playoffs. Remember, it's infuriating. And I said on yesterday's podcast, how great would it be for the Hawks to have taken eight of the last 10 available points and have that three-day off and start heading in the next stretch of the season feeling good about things? Now they've got to sit on this crap performance for three days. Maybe it'll get through this time. Maybe they'll realize they're not as damn good as they think they are. You are not the 2010s Blackhawks. Guess what? In a couple days, it's going to be official. You are no longer the 2010s Blackhawks. That, those days are over. And we make fun of the Red Wings a lot. I was texting with a buddy tonight who's a Red Wings fan who said, I cannot believe the Hawks lost 7-1 to the Devils. We started talking about the Red Wings. He said they're finally trying to rebuild. They tried forever to rebuild and win at the same time, and it doesn't work. And guess what? Trying to rebuild and win at the same time results in a 9-26-3 record. That's what the Detroit Red Wings are. Is that what you want the Hawks to be in a couple years? Man, this is an infuriating loss. I There's there's nothing more to say about it. We can go with it down the number line and do pluses and minuses and screw all that stuff. 
This game does not deserve it. The Hawks sucked. That's it. That's the analysis. I give 0% of the blame to Jeremy Cowton and his staff. I give 0% of the blame to Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard, who were hung out to dry repeatedly. The skaters on this team, and especially the veterans, they were on Christmas break already. It's embarrassing, and you should be embarrassed to be a Hawks fan after last night's performance. Let's just go over this real quick. Duncan Keith, minus three. Connor Murphy, minus four. Alex DeBrinkett, minus three. Dylan Strome, minus three. Jonathan Taze, minus three. Patrick Kane, minus three. There's your leaders. Those are the guys you count on. Zach Smith with a goal. Matthew Highmore with an assist. David Camp with an assist. That's it. Story of the game. If your stars are going to suck, your team's going to suck. This team is not damn good enough to take anyone for granted, and that's what they did against New Jersey. All right. Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. A little fired up. A little fired up after that loss. I'm very glad it is Talk Back Tuesday. Let's get right to the voicemails. Let's start with Alex. Uh, I just read an article by Scott Powers on The Athletic um, saying that the Hawks needed to make a trade if they were serious about making the playoffs. And then I also saw reports that uh, Bowman was recently at the Boston Islanders game uh, doing some scouting. So I'm wondering if you've heard anything on, on who they might be targeting and if you agree the Hawks need to make a move if they want to compete for the playoffs. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks. Thank you for the voicemail, Alex. Very much appreciate it. Um, you know, at this point, it's tough for me to think that there's any trade the Hawks are going to be able to make that's going to make them truly contenders. Could they get a little better with a trade? Sure. But at this point, are you ready to give up an asset, a prospect, to make a tweak kind of a move? Or to bring in a guy who is maybe an unrestricted free agent after this year to add a veteran presence, to add maybe a little more scoring punch or defensive punch? Aren't they better off just kind of falling out of this thing? And I know this sounds doom and gloom, but like, they're just getting more banged up. This Brent Seabrook thing, if you haven't read John Dietz's piece, go go read it. And again, be sure to check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast later today. We're going to get into it in depth. But isn't it just, I don't know. I, I don't really feel like the Hawks should be adding on at this point. See what you've got. Let these young players play. Let Gilbert play. Let Boquist play. Obviously, Doc is playing. Get a look at Highmore. Hell, play John Quenville. He didn't do much last night, but whatever. See what you have in these young players. I'm not trying to upgrade the roster at this point. If they rattle off, you know, five of the next six or eight of the next ten, we can talk. That changes things a little bit. But look, the reality is they're still towards the bottom of the league, and it's probably where they're going to remain for most of the season. So as far as giving up an asset to just try to improve the roster, no. Now, on the other hand, if one of those teams wants to take one of these big, long contracts off your hands, like Brent Seabrook or like Duncan Keith, who I'm hesitant to move, but look, just like Detroit, you don't want to rebuild on the fly. It doesn't work. You've got to either do it or not do it. If that's the case, then you listen. And maybe you got to give up a, a middling prospect to make that happen. But I'm not trying to improve the roster at all as of right now. It could change in a couple weeks. If they get hot, and hopefully last night's loss 
was a blip on the radar, but uh, after seeing that performance, it's hard for me to say the Hawks should do anything to try to improve the roster. All right, first email of the show comes from Travis. He says, it's going to be hard to switch to a rebuild mode when the team is on the verge of being a playoff contender. It's going to be hard to stay focused on winning this year when they're in last place. I think the fact that they can be in last and still be within striking distance of the last wild card spot tips the scales to stay focused on winning now. That includes Boquist and Gilbert and Doc. Once they're in the playoffs, it's all about hot goalies. Now, Travis wrote this before the New Jersey loss, just to be fair, just to be honest about about the whole thing. I, I don't mind that. And if that if that's how you want to spin things and say, look, we're we are within striking distance of the wild card spot, and they are. That's definitely true. A lot of teams jump over, but they could do it theoretically. If that's how you want to spin it, and if that's how you want to try to get solid efforts out of the team every night, go for it. You can't tell them they're out of it. But starting to trade some of the core guys from the championship teams sends that message. It's going to be interesting. The next few weeks are going to be very, very telling for this Blackhawks season. And we, I know we've said that a bunch of times. And then what happens is they just they lose a bunch in a row and you feel bad about things and they win a bunch in a row and you start to feel good again. They just can't, you know, they can't seem to tell you exactly what they are. And how great did we all feel after Saturday's win over Colorado? I said it felt like a turning point. Then this? 7-1 to the effing Devils? Really? <sighs> Absolutely infuriating. Just one of the most frustrating losses in a long, long time. And they've had a lot of losses lately. Yeah, we got a lot of losses, like the Charlestown Chiefs. But this one? On the back end of one of the best performances of the year in a game that made you feel great watching the Hawks play physically, watching them take it to the avalanche, watching them come back from a 3-1 deficit to respond with a 7-1 loss at the Devils. It's hard to fathom, but it, but it happened. Hockey's weird. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Going to get back to the voicemails here on Talkback Tuesday. First, want to tell you about the schedule for this week. No show until Friday. Asterisk, unless something major happens between now and then. The only major thing I could see happening is some sort of announcement about Brent Seabrook's future. Again, check out John Dietz in the Daily Herald. Check out today's Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Should be available around 11 or 11.30 at the absolute latest. We're going to get into it all. Something is about to happen with Brent Seabrook. If it's something major, like a retirement or a trade or an out for the season, I will have a podcast, a lockdown podcast, on Thursday. But the plan, unless something happens, is to come back with the next show on Friday ahead of the game against the Islanders. All right, back to the voicemails we go. Second voicemail of the show comes from Pete. My question is about Leonard. Obviously, the guy has been standing on his head. Tremendous. Uh, I think we have to trade him. I've seen a couple of Rockford games. Uh, Lankinen looks like the real deal. What would it take to, uh, or what would we get for Leonard, do you think? Because there are some teams that could really use him, put him over the hill. What do you think we could get for Leonard? And what do you think Crawford? Because if we brought Crawford back for, like, say, like two years six mil to like uh tudor lincoln in uh 
that could be what we we do to free up the cap space uh, or some cap space. Uh, let me know your opinion. Love the show. Going to follow that one up with a very similar voicemail from Brad. Um, my question is about Corey Crawford. I read a rumor lately that he is on the trade block, and I was just wondering what you had to say about what he could be worth and uh, what we could get for him. Uh, thank you very much. All right, so back-to-back voicemailers want to trade Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard. And look, there's nothing that should not be considered at this point. And both guys are unrestricted free agents after the season. So I went back and took a look at some of the trade deadline deals made for unrestricted free agent goalies. I had to go back to 2017 to find the most recent when the uh, Lightning traded Ben Bishop and a fifth round pick to the LA Kings for Peter Budai. Brent Cernick, and a seventh-round pick and a conditional pick. So they give L.A. an insurance policy goalie who is an impending free agent and a fifth-round pick for two late picks, a backup goalie to just finish out the season, and Brent Cernick, who's a a guy, right? 2016, James, uh, James Reimer gets traded from Toronto to San Jose. So it's Reimer and Jeremy Morin to San Jose for Alex Stalock, Ben Smith, and a fourth-round pick in 2018. So two years later, they got a pick there. Those are the two most recent I can find. Bishop is a good comp because Crawford and Leonard would be in the same tier as Ben Bishop. I think they're, bo- they're both better than him. But if you're going to tier the goalies, those two guys are probably pretty comparable in terms of value. Um, so you're looking at, you know, I don't know, some picks, not much, but look, they're both unrestricted free agents. And if you know, you're going to move on from both of them, which I don't think is a reality. I think they should try to bring Robin Leonard back, but if, if you know, you're going to move on, you should. And the, the question is, will Corey Crawford agree to be traded? Who knows? Um, if you trade Robin Leonard, does that damage your chances of resigning him? This summer, these are the questions that need to be answered. All options should be considered. There is not an untouchable player on this team. Not one. That includes Kirby Doc. If the right offer comes along, you've got to listen at this point. On anyone. I'm not shutting the door on any possibilities. All right, let's go back to the emails here. Have one here from Jane, who I believe is a first-time emailer. Jane, thanks for listening. Thanks for the kind words. She says, in the uh, I'm watching Saturday's Avalanche game and have a couple questions. In the other three games against the Avalanche, the Blackhawks couldn't keep up with the Avs' speed, so why did it take them this long to play a more aggressive stick-action game, not to mention a more physical game? I'll answer that one first. Uh, you're right. They, they were just more aggressive, and the way to slow a team down is to knock them off the puck. You cannot stick-check Nathan McKinnon. That's not going to happen. He's going to fly right past you, and he's going to be putting the puck in the back of the net and celebrating while you're looking down at your skates asking yourself what happened. You've got to play speed teams physically. And when teams were trying to stop the Blackhawks in the heyday, they tried and tried and tried to out-physical them. Remember the Anaheim Ducks? No human can withstand this sort of uh, physical damage. Isn't that what Ryan Kessler said? And how did that work out? It can win a game for you. And now and again, it can win a series for you, for sure. 
But that's what the Blackhawks did. They realized they had to play physically against the Avalanche to slow them down. And I don't just mean lighting them up along the boards. It means being tough to play against, competing, taking the puck away with authority, tight checking. As soon as the guy gets a puck, you're on him, making his life difficult. You cannot poke check your way to victory anymore. And this is a thing that this core of players, this is an adjustment for them. They're so used to being able to outskill everybody, which they did for, you know, the first 10 years of their careers. And it's been a difficult adjustment and it's somewhat understandable. But now, as long as they've been a bottom tier team in the league, they should start catching on. And I thought Saturday's game was a really encouraging sign that maybe they were. But then last night's game was a complete slap in the face and erases to me everything good that happened Saturday. If they go back and play the Islanders on Friday like they did play the Avalanche the other day, fine. But that's what the Hawks need to look like if they're going to compete. Go back, go to the Hawks website, and watch Jeremy Cowton's postgame press conference. I'm not going to play the whole thing here, but I thought this was the best he's been. He was brutally honest. He was saying the things that needed to be said, and he's seeing the same things you are. He said, the kind of team we have, we have to outwork our opponents. And yeah, we have some skill, but he said, the kind of team we are, we have to outwork people. That's an acknowledgement that their talent is not as great as apparently some of the players on the roster think it is. All right, Jane's next question. Are we all in agreement that Kirby Doc needs to unleash his inner hockey beast way more than he does? It would definitely change his team if he would. That's a good point, and I think you saw in that game against Colorado Kirby Doc playing at the highest level of confidence we've seen him play. I thought he was okay against New Jersey early. You saw him with the puck a lot, trying to make things happen, but then as that game got away, everybody just fell off, including Kirby Doc. But yes, if you can see, if he plays most games like he played against uh, Colorado, he's going to be a, a factor every night. Last night, though, minus two, one shot on goal. No other shot attempts. And that was in 14 minutes and 59 seconds of ice time. And that included four minutes of power play time. That's He's got to be better. He's got to be. Shot leader. Two, two guys were tied for the team lead in shots. I'm going to give you five seconds to think about who they are, and I guarantee you, unless you already looked at the stat sheet, you're not going to come up with either name. Ready? Three, two, one. Oli Mata and Eric Gustafson led the Hawks with four shots on goal each. Mata finished the game with eight shot attempts. Gustafson finished the game with seven. Those are your leaders. Patrick Kane had four shot attempts with 8.01 of power play time. And I'm not going to go ragging on Patrick Kane. The guy's been the main reason the Hawks have been great. <laughs> the Hawks, have, they've not been great. That The Hawks have been in games at all this year. I just read the word great. That's why I said the word great. Patrick Kane is the reason they've been in games at all this season. So a bad game from him does not get, I, he's not going to, I'm not going to lay out on him. He's been awesome. All right, last email from Locked On uh, Blackhawks Talk Back Tuesday comes from Anne. She says, if the Blackhawks had hung on to Michael Kempney, what difference, if any, do you think he would have on the current defense? We often hear fans lament other trades, but little reflection about Kempney 
who is now a first pair defenseman for a top NHL team. Curious as to why. I think part of it is that when he was let go, the Hawks were a better team than they are now. And the fact that Quenville didn't like him, I think that made it easier for people to accept. Like, well, he just doesn't fit the system and yada, yada, yada. But now we've seen. You're right. Michael Kempney's a top-pairing guy. And I don't know if he's an ideal top-pairing guy. Let's not pretend like, you know, he's not Nicholas Lidstrom, right? He's not. But he's a good player, and he should have played more. And if you listen to the Madhouse podcast back then, you would have heard me say he should have played more. But we've seen Quenville didn't like Nick Letty, didn't like Michael Kempney, didn't like Connor Murphy. 0 for 3. Those are three good defensemen. Those are three valuable defensemen. And Connor Murphy's play since Quenville has left, and truthfully a little bit before then, has exposed a little bit. Look, we all know Q had his favorites and played his favorites. And he was wrong about those three and some other guys. So he wanted to play Trevor Van Riemsdyk every night. And look, Van Riemsdyk's part of a good team too. But I always thought Kempney was a better player. So... I don't know. That it, It's interesting. It's interesting to, to wonder. I mean, look, if Kempney was on the team now, who knows if he would have become the player he did in Washington. You can't necessarily say, because look at Dylan Strom, right? Dylan Strom was a shadow of what he is in Chicago when he was in Arizona. Sometimes that change of scenery and that change of system is exactly what you need. So maybe that's part of what elevated Kempney's game. I think that's probably fair to say. And fair to assume. But yeah, they'd be a hell of a lot better with Michael Kempney. I don't think there's much doubt about it. But who knows? I mean, then there's probably other guys not here. Maybe they don't draft Adam Boquist at that point. And who knows? It's the whole butterfly effect. We'll never know. But it's a shame that that's another quality defenseman that got away just because Quenville chose not to like him. But look, Joe Quenville, second all-time in wins, knows what he's doing. So I'm not going to bag on Joel Quenville. So every coach is wrong about somebody sometimes, and those are just some of uh, Joel Quenville's blind spots. Anyway, that's going to do it for Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, celebrate it uh, safely, celebrate it with your family and friends and the people that make you happy. And I know there are some people that have a hard time in the holidays. Uh, I'm with you. We're thinking about you. Hopefully, uh, you know, you find some music, you find some podcasts you enjoy to help get through this tough time. I know Christmas isn't easy for everybody, um, so keep those people in mind. Try to show some patience with people in the uh, service industries that work in retail. They're extremely stressed out. They've been working their butts off, and now we know the way corporations work. These employees are stretched more thin than ever, and they're paid less than ever. So cut them some slack. If the line's a little long or the service is a little slow, cut them some slack. Wish them a happy holidays and go enjoy with you and yours. I will talk to you all on Friday. But remember, later today, 11 a.m. on Christmas Eve, you will have a brand new Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast where me and my partner James Naveau react to all of the long-term Blackhawk stories. Most importantly, the latest developments with Brent Seabrook. You're not going to want to miss it. So go to your podcast app right now, subscribe to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, and as soon as it drops, you will get that notification and you will listen 
Follow the show there on Twitter as well, at MadhousePod. But until then, enjoy your day, enjoy your Christmas, enjoy your holidays, and I will talk to you all on Friday. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Blackhawks part of your daily routine. Happy holidays.